The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. What are you trying to chop off eight characters in a tweet? Is really something. Um, I am your host, Radicat, and you can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. There we go. And the sound effects you've heard comes from another other than our man, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. I am in Brooklyn, back in the house. What's up, everybody? Brooklyn be the place where I serve them things. <laughs> and you could find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place. Of, whoops. But you can also, first you can find your uh, podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. But you can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or <laughs> or the Col- uh, the Coastal of the Podcast SoundCloud page. <laughs> Oh, I'm not sure what's so funny, but please click like, subscribe, and give us all the positive five-star reviews. Uh, a, a tweet that I just saw um, having to do with uh, this week's episode of, uh, of uh, one of this week's episodes of the, the, the Pad Batch. Okay. In relation to a character. Um, and which we will get to in a, a few moments. Uh, you can also, but you can also find us stri- um, excuse me, recording Every Thursday night, mostly anyway, um, nine thirty Eastern Standard Time or the the, uh, the the daytime series time equivalent of such thing, on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's youtubecom slash Nation and twitchtv Chronicles and possibly one other place coming soon. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the five-star reviews. Remember to hit that notification button so you know when we are on. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Benji Games 2. What's up, sir? How's it, how's it going? Hope everything is good How with you, you doing? Um... But yeah, we are going to get into this uh, just so we don't have too much wasted time. Uh, and start talking about uh, this week's um, television offerings. And we start off, as we tend to do, with uh, The Bad Batch, which was, as stated in past shows, uh, the two-part season ending, uh, episodes 15 and 16, titled uh, The Summit and Plan 99, respectively. Okay. 
And one interesting aspect of the of this two parter is that we have the the penultimate episode, you know, lays out the situation in which the Bad Batch find themselves, and the second episode is how they at least on the surface escape a particular predicament. But without spoiling too much, we can safely say there is a setup for another season of the Bad Batch. Yep, indeed. There is I this is going to be a kind of a light spoiler in the fact that there is a slight Empire Strikes Back type quality to uh the last episode. Definitely. In a way. But, uh, and also at the end of it, we got to get a revelation that I wasn't, uh, well, I wasn't sure was the case and wasn't really expected to be the case, but apparently was, uh, there is that, but yeah, uh, without giving too much away, um, uh, the, the bad batch kind of find themselves, uh, in a, in a situation from the last uh, few episodes of where they they thought they were going in to do uh, one thing and get uh, some unexpected resistance. And from that, the dominoes kind of fell. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, you know, uh, I was very disappointed that Carla Tortelli turned into a rat. But we knew it was coming. Yeah. But, you know, the Carla that we knew from cheer would never do that so so the the tweet um the tweet that i'm referring to was 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 laughing at was in response to her character sid (laughs) basically because they were they were sort of like um they basically said like this is uh this is uh my treatment for the character in the next season if i was writing the uh, if i was writing story and it was a um it was a picture of a handbag of a so, what? A oh, hand, I guess. Yeah. So, but if you know what a character... Leather you know, handbag. Yes, exactly. Um, so if you know what a character species looks like, you'll understand that joke's a little bit more understood. I left that a little bit too hard than, than, than probably what was necessary, but whatever, I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, there's really not much else to say about it. Um, we do get a change in status um, for one of the members of the Bad Batch. Definitely. Um, And um, whether anything comes from that change of status or not, I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's probably the vaguest I, I, I can say without, you know, saying too much more. Right. Right. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said the premise and the setup for the next following season was established in the uh, final episode. Right. And as I was telling Agent uh, 7 before the show, uh, like, yeah, something I thought was going to happen did actually happen, just not to the, the person that I expected it to happen to. But it's still early. It could still happen. And, and I think if it's still going the same way I'm thinking it might, it, uh, yeah, there there might be some a couple other status changes coming up uh, in the next season. 
I, I suspect, but I don't know if it would make sense if that's how they want to play this out, basically, to, to play out the Bad Batch's story. Mm hmm. Because, yeah. Yeah, but we'll get into that as that come in, uh, comes into play, whenever that comes into play. I'm sure at some point, I haven't seen anything recently about uh, if and or when there's going to be a third season, but the, the setup is already there. I'm going to assume, you know, there's already some, some talk and some plans for that to be the case. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and see no reason why it wouldn't happen also, so... That being the case, we can push on to The Mandalorian. Season 3, Episode 5, Chapter 21 of this Mandalorian story. Mm-hmm. Called The Pirate. I'll, I'll forego the sound effect on this one this time. Um, Yar! That, well, that too, but I meant the, the normal one that I normally put in. Oh. So, again, there is... um. We were, we were talking before the show about this, about um, kind of how we felt about this, how we felt about the, this episode. Um, some of which we kind of felt was going to be the case going into the, or at least or that was going to be the what how the season was going to play itself out. But mm-hmm. uh, in, in, the, in the very least, one respect, it's playing out for someone. The same and also slightly different than uh, what we expected to happen for a person. Or actually a few people, but one in particular um, who seemed to be destined to go a certain way and still could be, but but then also could change the direction depending on how they continue down that road. So... It also felt like, uh, well, it wasn't even it felt like it pretty much was the 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 the, the title character and uh, the uh, and Baby Yoda slash Grogu uh, pretty much were kind of on the back seat, not necessarily on the back seat. I mean, they, they they there was some significant time spent on at least one of the characters, but they it felt like this episode kind of put them on the on the side seat, as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. Into relation to what they were trying to get out of uh, get to get um, get out of the way in this episode, I can safely say something that I figured was going to be the case from from the episode one of the season turned out to be the case. Um, although we haven't seen the ramifications of it just yet, but we were, but that's definitely where we're going for the rest of the, at some point in the rest of the season. Gotcha. Gotcha. I will say there are a couple of things I wanted to make note of before we moved on to this week's Picard episode, which I have not yet watched. Okay. One, there are a few really well done sequences in this episode, right? There is an aerial battle, not a mm-hmm. space battle, but an aerial battle. Mm-hmm. We do have the uh, the return of several characters from earlier this season and uh, a, a surprise return. Uh, no, I don't know if uh, – no, I think this character did appear earlier in the season. We did have the surprise first appearance of a, a favorite Rebels character. Well, favorite. I don't know about that, but yes. Yeah, well, a lot of people – 
yes. have that character as one of their favorites from Rebels. Sure. Okay. I will say that there was an extended battle sequence that really made me think of the streets of Mogadishu and Black Hawk Down. Yes. Like really, like some of the shots, mm-hmm. some of you know, some of the camera shots, some of the camera angles, some of the the the, the moments that they uh, choose to put on film or on digital recording were very much reminiscent of the film Black Hawk Down, and that's all I could think of when I was watching. It. I was like, "Oh, this is you know, we're in the Moog, we're in the we're on the streets of Mogadishu right now." Or for for some of you folks who are more video game inclined, this is pr- probably seems like a a nice uh, Call of Duty set piece. That the too went down. That too. I've 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 played a, a tiny bit of Call of Duty, so I know what Roddy Cat is referring to. Right. But if you watched, I mean, I can't believe this movie is more than twenty years old now. Hmm. But Black Hawk Down, uh, you know, go back and watch. It's not bad. So, yeah, yeah. They, it, I, I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't say this because they put money into all of these. But this seems like there was, uh, um, as as practical as some of the stuff was. There's definitely some some money behind it to make uh, to make some sort shots look a little bit more seamless than what they were than what they could have been. Right. So it was definitely well done on a couple of different accounts, especially with like the air battle part mm. of it. Um. So yeah, it was it was a good thing. We also got a a very unexpected um well not necessarily cameo, but um but appearance uh from an ex SNL another ex ex SNL um cast member happens to show up in a part. Yeah. Uh in this to to an effect. Um, and the that in, in addition to the other uh rebels thing were probably the two bigger surprises. Uh, well, actually three, because the whatever um, happens with the whatever you know, this the one character ends up uh, going forth and doing that was kind of surprised to happen this early also. But those two definitely were were like big smile surprises for me uh, for this episode. So. Um, and again, the other revelation that we found out that uh, at the end of this episode, that one part was not that big of a surprise. It was like, okay, we just, it was just a matter of finding out when we were going to find out that that happened. Mm-hmm. Actually, weirdly enough, it, it felt like they could have put that as an end credit scene. I felt like they they they, they almost said like, let's put this on, the, on as an end credit scene, but then decided not to do it and just tacked it on at the end of the episode, and it still works. But I, I feel like they could have done that, and it would have worked either way. To the to this episode, so yeah, that was that uh, for the the Mando Lone Mando and Cub and uh, now new family. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, and and we'll see how all of this stuff plays out over the remaining episodes because what had been teased, you know, would be kind of teased. Uh, seems to be about ready to come to fruition, but I think you know. In 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 my closing of uh, of my part of this conversation on the Mandalorian this week, between like I found myself 
you know, because I, I, I ended up watching these back to back last night and then continuing my, my watch of the Bad Batch into today, I found myself having to, I mean, obviously I'm watching this late at night. It's, you know, probably not conducive to, uh, to, to keeping things straight in my head to do that, you know, to watch it so late at night. But I will say that I had just a few issues trying to remember what timeline I was in when watching these shows yep. because I have to remind myself that Mando is in um, post uh, post original no, 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 I was about to say post Return of the Jedi, but pre sequels. Well, yeah, so I was still right. So yeah, right, yeah, exactly. No, I just didn't hear what you said. So, um, and I have to remember that Bad Batch is pre-original trilogy. Right. I have to, like, keep reminding myself, like, that we're jumping between time periods here. Actually, go so far as to say pre-Rogue One. Right, 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 right. Which is... Again, pre-original trilogy, right? So. But but in relation to this, in the even episode. that exactly, right? Exactly, even that, yeah. So yeah, it, that, I think that's probably you know the one minor gripe I have, and it's a minor one. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I feel like that's kind of been a thing, but like I said, we don't. Well, we don't have to that to worry about after this week, right? So, but yes, that has been a thing I've kind of hit upon myself while we've been while we've been watching the past few weeks. It's like, wait, this is this; these are two set at two totally different times, but kind of covering some of the same stuff, getting to a place right. that arguably didn't need to be gone to, but they were going to, right. to explain it in the first place in one way or the other. Right. So therein lies that, and with that, we are going to move on swiftly to. Uh, Star Trek Picard uh, Season 3 Episode 7 called Dominion, which... Right. So I will tell you, I was about to say, hold that thought. I am caught up to this week. Right. So I did watch last week's episode over the weekend. So I just need to watch this week's episode. So go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, I still wasn't going to spoil it anyway because it, as it, is, it just came out the day we are recording. So regardless of whether you watched it or not, you know, no one pretty much... I mean, unless anybody watched it the day that we were recording, which is the Thursday right. it came out, not that many people have probably seen it. So, um, I will just go so far as to say that it was another good episode. Uh, we are headed for some, well, we got some explanation about a thing that uh, I'm sure folks have been curious about. And the next episode is going to, uh, bring things home on another thing uh, and encapsulate what the series, what this uh, season is going to uh, generally be about. Like the A and B plots have already kind of blended at this point, but now we uh, we're, we're going to get the um, the the explanation episodes part of it going under the, but also still adding to the story. Uh, by adding some elements, uh, one of which came uh, came into play last week, so, uh, last, last week's episode. So um, we get a nice little cameo by a potential possible 
well, a, a potential um, Star Trek universe, uh, a cast uh, related to someone who ends, or not related to related to someone's show who's on the cast already. And I guess we've come to find out that that person's also um, going to come up on another episode, as I just saw on Twitter. But well, like I said, won't give away too much spoilers. But it was a uh, it was interesting to see this character up until a certain point. That being said, but yeah, still the season's still pretty pretty good, and I'm still enjoying it. And I have to admit, this episode had me very much tense because the way they've talked about this ep- this this season in general was like, yeah, this is the last hurrah for for this crew, and uh, it's felt as though it definitely might be the end of the line for a character or two, which we have already seen for one side character uh, in past episodes. Uh, but whether that's going to happen to any uh, of the the main uh, TNG group uh, still remains to be seen, but feels like it still could happen. So, this, which is why this, this uh, episode specifically and all ones coming uh, come, going forward which is only what two, uh, three more left is going to be a little bit tense for me. Cause I feel like that's something they're probably going to do is like, yeah, somebody might not make it out of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my speculations as to who that might be for reasons that one of which may have become clear in this episode, but we will see if they actually go and do that. But yeah, get a chance, check it out, check it out. Uh, that being said, we can push on to, uh, I need a time code here. There we go. Uh, we're going to go into the books of the week. So, let's see. thank you very much. And we are going to start off with, I we did say uh, Strange Academy Finals number five is what we're starting off with. Yes, yeah, so we are likely nearing the end of this particular uh, limited series, but mm-hmm. we may not be at the end of the Strange Academy story. We'll see how this goes because. Uh, the story written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos with colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles details this month what is a little bit of a fake out because we are celebrating a commencement, but it's not their graduation. That's the big kind of spoiler that is the setup of this issue. Right, So I'm willing to spoil that part. No need to really ring the spoiler bell because that is the setup for the story. But what is played out in here and what is revealed in this story was really well done. I thought the story was very effective at laying out how far the kids in Strange Academy have come in their, according to the story, one year of being at Strange Academy. And right. that's you know that's as much as I'm willing to to, to spoil, <laughs> right? But um, I will go so far as to say that uh, some things that's been built up 
during this volume and actually I think previous volume. Yeah, the previous volume uh, kind of comes into play, but not in the way that it was thought to be the case. Part of that still seems kind of a little weird to me, though. The 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 way it plays out and who's it who it plays out with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like once again, I remember the whole catalyst of how this all started. And that got kind of brought up in this in this issue, but it still seems kind of like okay. But one, we got past that, and two, it wasn't really that big of a deal in the first place. Um, so that that's kind of a thing that I still kind of bumped on even in reading this. But other than that, yeah, it was still a pretty much as good of read as it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I, I felt that uh, there's a mo- there was a moment in the story that you know it's kind of a long time coming, mm-hmm. where the teachers acknowledged how far the kids had come, and you know I thought that was earned, mm-hmm. you know, because we have gone through what two series now, three series of the st- yeah three yeah, yeah three. we have had two volumes of Strange Academy and now we have finals right. So that felt earned, but you, you know, at least for the longtime readers. Oh, totally. Totally. Like this is kind of one of those books like Agent 79 and I always enjoyed reading and it hasn't really been a terribly bad book. And it's kind of one of those ones like, okay, they could do more with this. They could do more with this. They could do more with this. But if this ends up being whatever comes out of this, uh, ends up being the potential end of the series, then, you know, hopefully it'll still go out as good as it came in. So. Yeah. hope so. hope so. Yeah. All right. right. Yeah. I will say that it's a candidate for click of the week for me, just because I enjoyed reading it. Potentially. Yeah. For me also. Um, Speaking of, do we want to go to Iron Man? Sure. It's one of the other, you know, we, we only have a few books in common this week. I decided to venture into the world of image uh, a little bit more uh, this week. So Invincible Iron Man number four is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Juan Frigeri, colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by our favorite, always our favorite, lettering Paisan. VCs Joe Caramagna, you know, when the moon hits your eyes like a big pizza pie. That's amore. So uh, Duggan has established or at least is trying to establish an X-Men villain as a villainous foil to Tony Stark. And the setup makes sense because Tony actually does an excellent job of explaining why it makes sense in this issue. Right. You know, if you were not familiar with this character, Fei Long not the Street Fighter Bruce Lee knockoff, but rather the character who has been a thorn in the X-Men side, especially when it comes to Arako, um, we get an explanation from 
or through Tony's narrative here. You know, it's a bit of exp- it's it's not necessarily exposition. What it does is really lay out why this character means anything to Tony Stark and why this character should mean something to Tony Stark because he actually comes out and says, and Doug, I give Duggan a lot of credit for this. Duggan actually comes out and says, who is this guy? I read his Wikipedia page. It seems like I need to know more. Right. And I really got a kick out of that. Right. But and the, the other good parts about this, well, there's a couple of good parts about this. And one is in what you're saying uh, in that, yeah, they set him up that way, but also in comparison to other similar folks that Tony has gone up against in the past that he right. game checks. Which right, I, because I it's not the first time, it's not the first time this particular scenario has gone down in the pages of Iron Man. Right, although... And he makes a point of making, you know, of making comparisons. Right, although there was a, a line in there that Tony says that I thought, like, unless that got retconned or something like that, that Tony says, like, yeah, um... XYZ, you know, were smart enough not to use my friends and family, you know, in, in the course of business, which is not true, uh, especially when it comes to Stain, who, who was also right. name checked in the book because he famously used one of his friends uh, or one of his friends got caught up, I should say. So I guess that's, that, that might be the technicality, but mm-hmm. uh, got caught up between their... Um, feud before something ended up happening so there is that um the one other good thing that duggan does in this is that not only is he tying this into the hickman era of the x-men uh with this but he also tied it back to the hickman era of the avengers with that flashback yeah with a flashback at the beginning of the book yep so yep yep, yep. Okay. Right. This is and, so, and, and uh, you know, and that was that's okay. part of what the explanation of Fei Long's uh, motivations are from Tony's perspective. That's where that all comes into play. I really appreciated that. Right. I was like, okay, that was well done, and it makes it makes sense in, in that stamp in, in that relationship. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm with this. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, this is definitely a potential click of the week for myself. Okay. Um, I, I love how there was like, let's take this outside. And it was almost like, uh, after school, the, 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 the school bell rang, except for it was a different type of bell that this was, that was rung before the fight started. Um, but it was, it was, it had that kind of three o'clock in the afternoon fight mo- kind of thing up until a certain point. Um, now where it goes after this, I don't know, because I feel like one, one person coming out of this fight feels themselves, uh, a, a little bigger than what they probably should. Right. Now, whether, you know, whether, um, you know, whether the other person kind of reciprocates that, that feeling, I, we don't know, but we'll, we'll see what happens in the course of this, uh, in the course of this arc story, whatever, however long this, uh, this lasts. But so far, pretty good. Mm. All righty. So well, we only got one more against you. Want to get that one more? You just want to hit it? No, wait, let's, let's, that one's not that big. Let's just go ahead and hit the um, hit the uh, rapids. Sure. Spinning it up. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. First up. 
for me is Ambassadors number one of six. The Ambassadors number one of six. This is from Image. This is written by Mark Millar or Miller. Mark Miller with art and colors by Frank Quitely, an assistant colorist uh, 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 by the name of Vincent McDean. McDean, that is. And letters by Clem Robbins. So the cover of this issue gives away the premise. But I think Miller does an excellent job of setting up a really, uh, a really uh, just, you know, great story. And, you know, the, the, it's just extremely well told extremely well told so uh you know it's definitely set in a possible reality because you know so much of it seems so familiar but at the same time you know it involves superpowers so we know that there are several uh pieces of intellectual property from recent uh that are of that are of fairly recent vintage that deal with this, you know, with um, a, a fairly realistic setting, but with only a few uh, a few instances of superpowers. So that is part of the premise here, and I will leave it at that. It is definitely worth a read. Quietly's art in this looks so clean. It is not kind of like that wacky really hardcore quietly style that you that that we used to see when he was doing x-men it's a little bit more refined it's a little bit more you know it's still his style you can tell that it's quietly but it's just not as heavily uh you know layered with detail and i think the coloring that he puts in this really does enhance the art so uh, it's a it's a great it's a great first issue so i would highly recommend uh, that you that if you're you know even mildly interested in what the cover says, then give this a shot. You know it is definitely a candidate for click of the week for me. Next up is Philadelphia number twenty nine, also from Image. It's written by Rodney Barnes with layout and inks by Jason Sean Alexander, pencils by Herman Aram or oh yeah no it's Herman Aramuspe. Background ink assists by Robert Molendrez, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Marshall Dillon. So I did not read all of the credits page. I did not read, I mean, or, or all of the uh, the letters page, that is, from the last few issues. But it's almost self-evident that this series seems to be rocketing towards a conclusion with issue number 30 because the body count... And shout out to Ice T. A body count is in the house. Um, you know uh, that's a that's a very old hip hop reference, folks, and a movie reference as well. But the body count has stacked up pretty damn high. A lot of the characters that we have grown familiar with are no longer with us in this story. So it seems very much so that we are coming to the end of the Philadelphia story. And it is, it has been an excellent ride. There are times when I forget who is still alive or who is doing what, but I feel that this series will read 
incredibly as a collected edition. Uh, last but not least for me is actually we do have one book in common that's part of our rapid fire group clobber in time number one of five so there's a five issue limited series it's written by steve scrose with art by steve scrose colors are by brian valenza and letters are by vc's joe sabino so this is this seems to be a limited series that is a little bit like a Marvel two-in-one type team-up book mm-hmm. involving Benjamin Jacob Grimm, Ma Grimm, and Aunt Petunia's favorite nephew. Ma, Ma Grimm's favorite blue-eyed son and uh, Aunt Petunia's favorite nephew. Uh, teaming up with various characters in the Marvel Universe, this first issue involves a team-up with Bruce Banner and his alter ego, the Incredible Hulk. And... There is some off-world antics. There's some off-world antics that go on. And, uh, you know, some tongue-in-cheek pop culture references, the nub-nubs. Um, I, you know, I got a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I leave it to Roddy Cat to add anything else he wants to add. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much was going to say, yeah, they're... they're pretty much setting this up as the two and one thing like you like you had already said and I think the next episode is Wolverine if I'm not mistaken um, yes there it, it's I wanted to say this was a breezy read but it is but it, it is and kind of isn't because once you kind of get in there a little bit it's a little bit mumbo jumbo as far as some things that uh, happened and are explained in uh, with what's going on is being narrated by this basically right. this war watcher uh, character so uh, also, you know, hence the mother Marvel two one. Even though I know that's more of a a, a what if type thing slash, some, right. you know, but still, uh, it's still within the vein. So I'm. It was just fun enough to kind of get through, but also it was kind of kind of petering for me at the end. Like it was, still, it was still kind of fun, but it was like, okay, there's a lot of mumbo jumbo here. I'm not sure if I want to continue to try to read this, but it was a one off story. Uh, unless, right, uh, and that's what got me through. Right. Unless somehow they're going to tie, which they have done in the past, they're going to all these other four are going to uh, tie together some kind of way, which I kind of doubt. So, but I'm going to be checking this out definitely because it's been a minute since we had a Marvel two on one type situ- situation going on, and um, hopefully they continue to be good. Okay, and you say that's last the, but not uh, least for me. I'm sorry. No, 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 my great. Last but not least for me is Daredevil number nine. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Manuel Garcia. Colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The story of Daredevil under Chip Zdarsky's uh, uh, direction has been pretty good overall. But I think that my frustration with this run and my frustration with some of the characterization of Matthew Murdoch and some of his supporting characters in this, uh, you know, it's funny. We've gotten so, you know, if you're of a certain vintage and you've been reading some of these characters for so long, some characterizations just feel off. Some of them feel dead on, but you you kind of feel bad for the the main characters. And obviously that's the whole point of, uh, telling a dramatic story is that you put the main characters through hell and see how they come through. 
The hell that Zdarsky and recent writers of Daredevil have decided to put Daredevil through is being, to a certain extent, self-destructive. And that actually frustrates me as a reader because you, you want to reach through the panels of the page and shake Matt Murdock, you know, shake him by the neck or by the shoulders and just say, hey, man, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't be doing it this doing things this way. But that's obviously the point of the story. So while that is effective and that is well done on Zadarsky's part, it's still frustrating as a longtime fan and reader of the character to see Matt Murdock and Daredevil act in this fashion, self-destructively. We all know, you know, his love for Elektra is in fact very much self-destructive and their, the course of their uh, relationship is in fact self-destructive on both sides. So uh, maybe that's part of the arc that uh, Zadarsky's telling here. But it's still, as I said, kind of frustrating overall. I'm still reading it, though. So, you know, who's being self-destructive now? And with that, I hand it off to Rodicat. I feel like you you could say that about a, a lot of Jared Devil's history. Because this is not the first time, I, I haven't been reading it, but this is not the first time he's been put through hell. I feel like uh, most of the writers who write Daredevil kind of put them through, through some kind of hell. Exactly. He is Daredevil, after all. Right. And one that's also, in, in certain cases, more than others, self-destructive. Right. So I feel like it's just kind of playing on the same stuff. I, again, I'm not reading it, so I don't know. Like You, you would know better than I am about, uh, about that. But I feel like this is just pretty much, well, this is... That's pretty much how they've been writing. That's how you write a Delta for. Like we can't we can't stop ourselves by writing him like that, you know. Right. So. Right. I mean, I guess what I got used to for a long time was dealing with his Catholic guilt, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, it, it, there's just a certain quality to the self destructiveness in this particular run that. I guess is just a little off putting, but you know, to each their own, you know, everything, you know, you know, that, that, that varies with everyone's interpretation of the story so far. Right. Would anyone want to read a happy daredevil story? I think, yes, I think Wade had an, uh, had a pretty decent run of happy daredevil for a little while. Okay. So I think it's there. I think it can be done, but it doesn't last. And that's the whole point. Right. So, all right, so moving on to my books, we go into, um, whoops, where are you? Are you still there? Oh no, where did it go? Um, pardon me, folks. Oh, of course, that's how they did that. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday Morning Adventures, Dungeons and Dragons, number one of three, um, by IDW is written by David M. Boer and Sam Maggs with art by George Cambadius, uh, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. So yes, folks, this is another one in, I guess, uh, not necessarily a long running series, but they've had what? To two, three before this, because there was the G.I. Joe one and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, Saturday Morning Adventures uh, series. And they've all been like three books, three to four books. 
telling a story or in the case of the turtles like three or four one-off stories uh this one seems to be going the uh the um the gi joe right route and this is going to be one continuous story out of the three issues in three issues and if you know anything about the Dungeons and Dragons animated series from the 80s, if you're of a certain vintage, you would, you might, um, then you know of uh, the plight of the, what, seven kids that get trapped in D&D land when they took a ride uh, at an amusement park. And uh, as far as we know, officially never came got home. Uh, they ended up being kind of D&D class uh, there were a couple of these folks who were not necessarily D&D classes like say Diana the Acrobat which shout out to her because you know, she kind of had a crush on her when I was, when I was little but anywho um, but the kind of D&D adjacent kind of like class type folks or a mixture of some in that way but they're, these are all teams that get trapped in D&D and, and specifically in the Forgotten Realms uh, according to this book and I don't know if that's ever been established Actually, I think that has been established in comic books from a, a, probably a decade or two ago that they were in the Forgotten Realms. But regardless, uh, the crux of this one is um, the their quote-unquote leader, Hank, uh, kind of was like, look, I'm sick of all of this. I want to well, go home. I got a plan. Who's with me? And pretty much most of everybody else is like, nah, I'm good. We're tired. We've been trying to do that. And, and who say the things that are back home are going to be any better for us. One of them who uh, is the, the thief, Sheila, who normally is the kind of more sheepish one, kind of speaks up for the for the rest of the group. But that also leads them into uh, an adventure that uh, I guess gets them deeper into the, the, the land of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, especially where they end up uh, at the end of this issue. So it's a pretty fast read. Uh, if you, again, like myself, if you're a certain vengeance, uh, you enjoyed that, uh, that Saturday morning um, cartoon uh, with, uh, with the Dungeon Master and crew. No Venger yet so far, but I'm sure she's probably going to show up at some point. Matter of fact, from what I've seen of uh, previews, that's definitely going to happen. I think you may enjoy this book. I have a couple of ideas for Saturday morning adventures, the things that should hit off, um, but I don't know if they're ever going to do it, and I'm not going to say on air because they'll probably steal them. Next up, though, <laughs> and if they did, I wouldn't be surprised, but it just give me a cut. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at, uh, but you know, give me a cut. But uh, next up for myself is. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number two, number four of five. I should have said two, number four of five, because that would have made it a little bit easier to to distinguish. Uh, this is written by Ryan Parrott, uh, illustrated by Dan Mora, colors by Raul Angulo, and letters by Ed Dushire. So, um, if you've been keeping up with his book, The, the Turtles... And the Rangers, you know, have been teaming up together again for the, I guess, technically third time. Uh, if the uh, the live action version is 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 in canon, but in this case, uh, we got Rita trying to take over Rita and Crane trying to take over. Um, I guess that might have been what happened last time. I just I don't remember what happened in that first the first crossover. 
but um uh Rita and Crane trying to take over the the earth and starting with of course Angel Grove um and uh, in this particular series we have we see the turtles and the rangers kind of in certain spaces uh swapping places so in other words the turtles end up uh, morphing and the rangers end up uh getting mutated in a sense and this issue in particular is uh they split up the party and uh we got some going to uh dimension x to the terradome to, to terradrome excuse me terradome is a, is a public enemy shout out to them but um you know going to the terradrome to kind of to, to do a thing and while the rest of the folks that being splinter and the rangers staying in angel grove to defend the city uh both kind of have uh time for it a good and or bad there is of course a trap in one of those situations and a surprise from one crank um that uh the the rangers are pretty much not going to like at the end of this issue so cuz they're not the only ones who could um you know co-op the other's tech let's just say but it's been a good read so far and i've been enjoying it this is the penultimate issue and i'm um, looking forward to seeing what the how the uh the next one ends up the last book for myself is avengers beyond number one of five um written by derek landy with pencils by greg land i call him land of nope. land <laughs> nope. I, I knew Age of Sigma nope. was going to do that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, AKA, I'm calling him Land and Land because, you know, that, that's, that's that. But um, inks by Jay Lyston, uh, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So I'm just going to go off my notes uh, uh, with this and say that. Uh, the simplest oversimplification of the first two Secret Wars was given in, in the beginning of this book by uh, by Captain Marvel. Um, and the rest of it is that basically um, coming off of, I can't remember what the, 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 the previous uh, book was that Derek Landy wrote that was also a beyond, but it was basically what led up to this uh, book and we knew the Beyonder was going. I knew the Beyonder was going to be here in uh, anyway, uh, in one way, shape, or fashion. So basically, come to find out in this issue that the Beyonders are trying to help the Beyonder. I mean, help the Avengers with a oncoming threat that pretty much he had to deal with. Uh, let's just say the people that made him that made his people uh, are pretty much coming back for, to, to get what's theirs. So the Beyonder was trying to, you know, behind the scenes kind of get the, the, uh, get the Avengers and the earth ready for what's, what's coming. And that was the crux of the, the previous volume. Uh, and this one, the, he's been fully found out and now he's pretty much led the bad guys to earth um uh and the and it's up to the the adventures to kind of uh clean up his mess so to speak so seeing the beyond the back is one thing which we have been we have kind of seen a version of them in uh the Monica Rambo series so 
there's been a couple of times that where it's been setting up whether Beyond is going to was to be back. It there's a kind of a question as to whether the Beyonders are still around, but this issue goes to explain something about that, not necessarily where they are, but uh, the relation between them and the Beyonder, and apparently there's always a bigger fish type of situation. So I'm as it just Shout said. Huh? It's a shout out to Qui-Gon. Absolutely. Which that's actually come up a couple of times in the last couple of weeks with, uh, with Qui-Gon. So, um, at the end of this, we've come to find out that there's going to be a rematch. That's going to become, that's going to come back up, uh, in, in a way, actually going back to, let's say Hickman era and slight MCU, uh, parallel, uh, but definitely more Hickman than, than MCU. So, yeah, I'm going to see what this is about because I've already invested myself with the last volume and coming into this. Like, I've heard, I was thinking that they were trying to set up the Beyonder for something and this might just be it as opposed to what I was thinking. So, we'll see how it goes. And that's it for me, folks. Uh, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. So, so I don't think we have anything from our colleagues we in Amset Show. Did not know. Um now Dirt did mention what he was reading, but nothing current, so um so it's up to us. Uh do you have one? Because I'm pretty sure I I I, I described my two favorite issues this week one was the ambassadors number one the other being strange academy finals number five i think i'm going to choose the new number one issue this week but strange academy finals number five was a really strong book so Mm. my choice is the ambassadors number one of six from image okay oh bless you wow (laughs) um if y'all heard that on the camp on the, the thing, then yeah. Uh let's see. I don't know. Out of I'm definitely Strange Academy is definitely one of them, and Invincible Iron Man is the other for me. Um the the Rangers Turtles thing is also pretty good, and the Dungeons and Dragons also pretty good. But I think the stronger one for me and the one I'm probably going to go with is going to be, and I didn't think I was actually going to say that this week, but uh, Invincible Iron Man number four is the one I'm going with. Um, yeah. And uh, with that, I, oh, actually there was a, and I think, I think I know why I'm, this is tipping me off, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but um, Tony Stark almost pulls off a spirit bomb. Nah, uh, I did see that. So I was like, okay. In addition to everything else, this 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 uh, issue simply was. I'm like, that was pretty good. <laughs> so with that, folks, uh, that is our books of the week. We're going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. 
always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into the cinematic news as we do about this time, starting off with Meet Kaiori, the newest superhero in the Marvel Studios' What If. So I believe we knew that there was going to be a second season of uh, Marvel's What If on Disney+. Plus. Apparently, we're going to um, we're going to have some new characters show up and uh, some very brand new characters, new to the Marvel universe, apparently, uh, to show up. In addition to such as this one, if you're watching the video version, you can see the image of Kaiori, um, who is a young Mohawk woman on a quest to discover a part of her power, according to the. Um, this article and her power it seems comes from the tesseract aka the cosmic cube for those of you um uh, uh, of a certain vintage and it says here that what if asks what if the tesseract fell to earth and landed in the sovereign um hardenosani confederacy before the colonization of america my apologies if i butchered that and i know i did and that's where this new character comes from and um there is no word when we are going to see this season two or when, or this character, but we definitely know that they're coming. So cool. Next up. Next up. uh, Let's see here. After a 15 year hiatus from Marvel cinematic universe. Guess what folks? Guess what? Go away, ads. Go away. Ugh, such a pain. Such a pain. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood Reporter revealed this week that Liv Tyler, daughter of lead singer of Aerosmith, Steven Tyler, is set to return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the role of Betty Ross. Uh... Goodness gracious. I guess Tim, you know, uh, uh, a certain site needs to uh, pay certain writers because this ad blocker thing is getting to be annoying. And they all have them, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's yeah. them or the other one also got a bunch of. Yeah, look yeah. at that. So, but bottom line is Liv Tyler is returning to the MCU in Captain America, the New World Order as Betty Ross. It was repealed by, it was revealed by the. Not repealed, because that's a completely different world, but revealed by uh, The Hollywood Reporter this week. Next up. Well, apparently they're not the only one to, to, that's going to um, come back in that, uh, in that movie. It sounds like um, basically what they kind of set up in, in that what, 2008 um, Incredible Hulk movie. 
is coming back with uh, the the dude that played this leader is also going to be in this. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if it says it here, but yeah, I know I saw an article, another article that said it was like, yeah, it's Liv Tyler. Uh, oh yeah, it does say. It, I was about to say it does say here Tim Blake Nelson, Samuel Stearns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I believe we'll probably get more than likely get um, Harrison Ford's uh, Thunderbolt Ross, likely. Yeah, more. I was about to say. I, I thought it was definite now. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it doesn't, again, doesn't say here, but yes. Well, it says right. here Thunderbolt Ross, but so I'm going to assume that that's the yeah, that that is the case. So Captain America: New World Order. It's basically as as other uh, articles have been saying. It's pretty much Incredible Hulk two, <laughs> with with Sam taking, or at least I've seen online people saying that uh, Sam's taking the backseat to to the Incredible Hulk with, with this. I'm like, uh, I guess, but now nah, sounds like um, the 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 leader's going to be who Sam is going after. So, in this. Which is still kind of weird, but I mean, it's not the first time you know Marvel, the, the MCU has blended a couple of uh, blended a few things. Anywho, right. um, so this has been updated. The original story is that uh, Marvel's Secret Invasion gets a summer twenty three premiere date, but apparently, uh, and I remember seeing this uh, listed on Disney Plus, uh, but I didn't say anything about it because I thought it was weird that the uh, the page was up kind of prematurely. But Disney Plus has delisted Secret Invasion, leading many to believe that the release date was either unveiled too early or the show has been delayed. Uh, according to this article, neither Disney nor Marvel Studios has addressed the change. And the, the original story was that um, Secret Invasion with Samuel Jackson was supposedly or is supposedly uh, coming to the service on June 21st first of this year. So, like I said, I, th- I thought it was weird, weird when not seeing anything else but that page show up on Disney Plus. But uh, I mm. guess they took it down now. Next up, ah, okay. So, Daredevil: Born Again star Vincent D'Onofrio confirms that a second season of the Disney Plus revival show is already under development. What I'm referring to is, uh. Apparently, uh, while speaking with Newsweek, D'Onofrio, you know, kind of let that slip. And apparently the Marvel snipers didn't take action. They held their fire. I mean, it's the kingpin. What are they going to do? Right. I mean, I guess they're telling a long form story because there are a lot of episodes in this first season. Right. Which I'm trying to remember. Um, I I still keep threatening to go back and watch that season three of Daredevil and the rest of those shows if they're still up on Netflix before I give that up. Um, but I don't. I mean, it's probably not worth it. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, next up, though, speaking of uh, Daredevil, uh, apparently D- Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin suits up for uh, for a. Uh, first photo so there's been some set photos from the site from the um from the location i guess uh showing uh mr d'onofrio in his uh kingpin suit it's not purple um, um that's, that's 
kind of a slight reference for John Wick Four, but we'll, we'll you know we're not, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that. And uh, yeah, it also says what uh, Agent Seventy just said, and that uh, yeah, it's gonna be epi- uh, eighteen episodes of the first season. Um, that's that are being filmed, and the working title is called "Out the Kitchen," which I think we have said before. Right, uh, and is expected to last. Filming is expected to last until December twenty twenty three, according to this article. So this is stuff that came off of Reddit. So you know, take that for what it is. Next up, yeah, shout out to uh, at Matt Wang ninety seven, friend of the show, friend of Agent underscore seventy, who's asked whether or not we've spoken about the new Stingray Disney Plus series <laughs> on Twitter just now. We have not. But thank you for that, as always. <laughs> Next up. Uh, um, the roads of recovery continues for Hawkeye and Mayor of Kingstown star Jeremy Renner, who was involved in a terrible snowplow accident at the beginning of 2023, which resulted in some serious injuries, surgery, and a lot of time in the hospital. Now, a few months removed from that, Renner is working very hard to get back to normal. And he's updated fans on social media along the way. This week, the actor posted a new video of him finally getting some real steps in on a treadmill. Good for him. Yeah, apparently he was using some new, uh, new um, you know, technique, the physical therapy technique that was, that was uh, not too many people get to, to get to use. So good on him for, for you know, getting that recovery in. Uh, next up, I dog on. I love ad blockers, but sites don't make it easy. Um, I'm sure that's gonna bite me in the back in behind one of these days. But Star Wars acolytes Jodie Turner Smith reveals new details about their character. Um, so it says here that um. The Acolyte series is headed to Disney Plus, which we know. There's some new details about uh, her character, which uh, uh, on the show, which is set in the High Republic era. Uh, she was speaking to comicbook.com about her new film, Murder Mystery 2. Uh, Turner Smith also touched on what it was like filming a television show in the Star Wars universe for Disney Plus. And there's a quote here from that, which I won't, won't say, but. Um, She's uh, she's basically like, oh, you got money. That's that's the paraphrasing of that. Shout out to Quinta Brunson. Um, but she also says here that it feels like you're in a you know a different show, different movie, whatever it is. You know, it's very cool and it's a real experience. Um, and there's another piece. Uh, well, there's another part of this where she was talking to Collider about what. Uh, the show sets apart from her past work, citing that it's a darker tone uh, and that the subject matter is obviously different. But, um, you know, the, and uh, that's it's going to be a little darker than what you I guess you what you're used to uh, in certain respects. That, that's me paraphrasing from this article. Next up. Lucasfilm has just shared three short films set in the world of Star Wars, Young Jedi Adventures, which is set to debut on Disney Plus and Disney Junior this May 4th. The kid-friendly animated show takes place during the era of the High Republic and features Jedi younglings, led by Yoda himself, learning the ways of the Force and having adventures across the galaxy. Okay. Yeah, so I'm assuming they're taking from the book, which is which did the exact same thing. 
that that is I think still going if I'm not mistaken, but just um, you know, down to a little bit. And of course, it's coming out on May the fourth because May the fourth be with you. Yes, of course. Uh, the Muppets Mayhem teases his unique unique rock and roll adventure. So uh, apparently, I, th- I can't remember if we talked about this before, but this particular show um, focuses more on the Electric Mayhem, which is the band for, of the Muppets, uh, led by Dr. Teeth with Animal and, you know, Janice, XYZ, and everybody else, you know, with, with those folks, uh, as opposed to following Kermit and, and folks. But maybe Kermit will show up on the show. So it says here that, yes, the the show will follow the band as they record their first album with the help of human characters played by Lily Singh um, as Nora, an aspiring record producer, Sarah Chowdhury as Nora's sister, and Taj Maori as the Electric Mayhem's number one fan. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty much that. I don't know if it says when this show is actually coming out. No, it does not. But it says coming very soon. It should be coming very soon to Disney+. Plus. Next up. In what has to be said to be disappointing news, Jonathan Majors was arraigned. The actor Jonathan Majors was arraigned this past Sunday on several assault and harassment charges, according to the Manhattan DA's office. That is New York. New York. Uh, in the complaint, the unnamed female accuser claims... He, he uh, basically assaulted her, but these are uh, misdemeanor and uh, violations. So these are not, uh, you know, these are not the most serious, but they're still fairly serious. So ultimately, it's uh, you know, it's disappointing to hear. Uh, more details of this are going to come out. Obviously, there are multiple sides to the story, so we will see how this develops. Yeah, despite what you you just said about uh, how major or or whatever it is, there are people, of course, as this came out, talking about it as if, you know, like like he's Hitler, basically. Um, well, you know, I mean, nobody that's me being hyperbolic, but there's a the, yeah. but there are there are, of course usually when something like this comes out, there are people gonna come out the work and say a whole lot of stuff, whether about you know this and that and he shouldn't be you know he shouldn't have any more roles and this and another they're going to recast and this and another and blah 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 you could smack it and that's right well i mean at the end of the day that you know that 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 obviously remains a possibility because nobody likes you know that kind of publicity but at the same time uh misdemeanor assault and harassment that's basically punching somebody in the face obviously nobody likes that it's a you know that that it's a person of the opposite sex so that right. changes things a little bit right but my point is kind of being it's like there has been more said about this case and him than say Ezra Miller say, yeah well fuck Ezra Miller I mean so. I agree with you on that but my, my point still stands I understand. I you do. Know. I do. I'm just looking at it purely from from you know, like you know, re, you know, reading the charges. I'm like, that's literally right. You know, a, a, a mild physical altercation. Obviously, I don't want to downplay what could be, you know, uh, you know, what was a, what was a uh, a bad situation and make light of it. 
Right. And from what I under, from what I've seen uh, reported and whatnot, I think after that happened, he was the one that called the police also. As well, opposed to the person, you know, but we will find out more, if anything, if whether or not these charges stick. But having seen charges like this before, my point being that, you know, you know, if you get into an altercation with anybody, that's basically misdemeanor assault in New York City. Sure. But if you are of a celebrity of some nerd and sometimes race, it kind of goes different from for different folks is my my thing. It, whether whether right. it's well, that I understand. I'm yeah. looking at it purely from what's mm-hmm. being charged. Agreed. So what Agreed. I have to make clear to hold on, let me finish. No, no, I'm done. You have to make clear to everybody that that's essentially what gets charged anytime somebody you know, puts their hands on somebody and there's an alleged injury. This is what gets charged. Right. So, so. that's all. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, you know, it's not well, my, you know, like, like I said, I don't want to necessarily downplay it because of some of the other circumstances, but right. you know, just to be clear, I mean, we'll be, we'll be kind of looking at it, but I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, here's every story on it. You know, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to do that here. So. Right. Um, cause that's kind of slightly, right. uh, granted we have done it in certain cases before, but not that, not that much. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I always, I always imagine myself not quite losing my shit and knocking somebody the he- the, the hell out. We all, and have. that's what I'd be charged with. Right. Exactly what I'd be charged with. So, <laughs> um, Oh, that's me. Uh, Disney absorbs Marvel Entertainment amid layoffs and dismisses Chairman Ike Perlmutter. Good riddance. I was going to say, don't let uh, the door hit you where the good Lord splits you on your way out. Indeed. So it says here that... um, um, Disney's cost-cutting measures have reached the top echelons of the company. Um, so yeah, uh, Ike Perlmutter has been laid off as his division, which is separate from Marvel Studios, is absorbed into other units of Disney. Along with Perlmutter, Marvel Entertainment's co-president, uh, Rob Steffens and chief counsel, John Turretson are, were also dismissed. Uh, Dan Buckley, president of the division is staying and will report to Marvel Studios chief, um, Kevin Feige. So it's it says here that Pearl, the eighty year old Pearl Motor still owns a considerable share of Disney stock, uh, and you know uh, it says, was it the center of activists and uh, uh, activist investor. You know I feel like people know about what what Pearl Motor's deal is at this point, including being kind of a you know conservative. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that without you know without being whatever, but. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much that. So while he still has, he's not, he's not lacking for much, even, you know, uh, even though that he got let go, he's still kind of, uh, coming away with stuff unless, you know, somebody's going to buy him out, which I I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. Cause like it says, he owns a considerable stock share. So we'll see how that works out next up. Amazon Studios has officially recruited former Marvel Comics editor-in-chief Joe Quesada to lead future comic book adaptations for the streaming giant. 
Uh, Quesada will be in charge of overseeing various film and television adaptations with a focus on existing and new comic book properties. Okay. Sure. Why not? Good for him. Yeah, right? (laughs) Wrong way. Uh, The Looney Tunes transform into with a device to celebrate Warner Brothers' 100th anniversary. So, um, it looks like there, um, this article is, is, um, talking with Josh Heckbarth, the SVP of animation franchise development of Marvel, uh, Warner Brothers, excuse me, Marvel Brothers, that's a different company, uh, to find out what Acme Fools is about, which I guess that is, um, the... Uh, the the show that this uh this this thing is coming under it says here that uh, there's going to uh, there's an inspiration behind the upcoming Wizard of Oz and Looney Tunes mashup which you can see a video of uh, in this article and if you go to the show notes you can check out the article for yourself uh, it appears that it's going to be the first of four thirty second custom shorts debuting Mondays across the company's social medias starting actually. Um, this past Monday. So that's out there probably on the YouTubes and whatnot. And in fact, specifically on the YouTube on looks like on WB kids. Um, doesn't say what else they're, they're getting into, but the rest of the article is, is a, an interview either way. But if you care about the short part, you can go get in and click on that from the show notes. Next up. Next up, uh, via deadline, the showrunner of Riverdale, speaks in this article about the season seven premiere and hints that characters will face off against society itself for a 1950s set final installment. So with a bit of time travel here, the characters of this Riverdale adaptation have found themselves transported to the 1950s, which is an era that is closely associated with Archie comics. And interestingly, the this adaptation uh, is very modern, and so these very modern characters, including characters of color and of uh, very uh, of different uh, sexual orientations, find themselves in the 1950s, where uh, a lot of uh, these uh, folks may not be welcome. Yeah, and that's part of that's part of the storytelling fabric. It'll be curious to see how they the treatment of that stuff goes. I have not watched much of Riverdale, much less kept up with anything going on. I heard it got kind of crazy and in, in, in its own way, this is in time it, travel. Right now they've gone time travel. So right. you know what? It's pretty did, crazy. Already. Right. And I think they did superheroes already. Cause they, you know, cause there was that like last season or season before last where they kind of did that. So they've kind of been going, they've been doing some things uh, apparently. Uh, let's see. Original Power Rangers star debunks reunion rumors. So, which I'm going to put it here that, um, I don't know if it's on this article or not, because that was the original reason why I brought this up was that there is, um, um, there's a trailer for the upcoming, uh, uh, Power Rangers special on Netflix. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Um, uh, so if you have a chance to check that out, you should. 
uh, notably absent, which we've, we've talked about before, is Amy Jo Johnson and, of course, the, the now de- deceased uh, Jason David Frank, even though they filmed it before he passed, but he opted not to uh, be a part of the special b- before he passed. But I'm pretty sure they'll probably do some tribute to him uh, in itself. But it says here in a tweet on March 26, Amy Jo Johnson explained away the rumors that have arisen in the wake of the news that she would not be appearing in the upcoming Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always Netflix special. Johnson employed fans to, quote, stop saying I didn't do the reunion because of money. Simply not true. She also noted that uh, Jason David Frank and uh, and herself chose not to do uh, do it for reasons of their own. Uh, and again, as I said, they filmed it before he passed. So there is that. Uh, I don't think she goes into the actual reason, and I don't. She probably doesn't necessarily need a reason that you know reason to say anything. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can see that there's the the tweet here that pretty much goes into what she does say. Um. Uh, a little bit more, but still doesn't necessarily give a reason, which may or may not matter. But anyway, like I said, going back to the original thought of mine, check out the the, the trailer for the special. It's pretty good uh, from what I've seen so far, or from what I've seen in the trailer. Next up. Next up. So this is spoilers for Fast X coming out later this year, in only a few months, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find out that Brie Larson spilled the beans on the character that she is playing in the film to Total Film Magazine. We will not reveal it here now. Uh, yeah, just un- unless you're looking at the video version and possibly seeing the um, the, um, the the site link. Actually, it still kind of doesn't, but never mind. So, yeah, that's, I assume you already know. Uh, you've read this, right? And, and so... Who she's playing? Yeah, I skipped it. Yeah, it didn't matter to me, but I'd rather not spill it for anyone who doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Uh, But I I also kind of find it funny. It was like, yeah, well, she don't have my Marvel Spike snipers to deal with, so she could kind of (laughs) save. Exactly, exactly. The fast, the fast uh, 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 level of secrecy is nothing close to the Marvel level of secrecy. Right, more like they play kind of fast and loose. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but yeah, and I guess it, well, from reading it, I guess it's not that big of a surprise who she's. Well, I mean, it is a surprise who she's playing, but also, huh? Okay, sure, why not? That's the <laughs> way I read it. <laughs> uh, but anywho, John Wick Chapter Four. Uh, as his article says, unloads an impressive twenty nine point four million on the opening day, which was, of course, the, the day both uh, Agent Seventy and I went to go see the movie. Just, yep. you know, just saying. Um, it says here that uh, it is the franchise's best opening weekend at the domestic box office. I ain't finish, finish that could stretch north of $70 million. Granted, it's been a few days away from that, so I'm pretty sure they have a, a an actual total for that, but I, right. you know, um, I, I pulled this on. Right. I mean, we could always, you mean, you know, like uh, uh, double check box office mojo or oh, something. Oh, yeah. For certain. Yeah. But Find says, out. I mean, if you want to, go for it. But uh, actually, no, you may not even have to because I'm sure one of these next articles might probably say so. Um, no, I've got it. Okay. Well, let me read I've this real, off through real quick. Weekend, before you... uh, I was about to say through the weekend, it did hit the number. That's all. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. I just found out that my brother has never seen any of those movies. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're going to watch it. Well, granted, he, he's been here all week uh, and he's leaving tomorrow, but we didn't get a chance to do that. I was like, don't go on it. We're going to... If you want, if you want to borrow them, or you want me to sit you down and at least watch the first one, then we can go ahead and do that and get it out of the way. So he's just like he's behind. Although he saw Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumanium, but anyway, that's beside the point. It was kind of funny. Uh, um, but uh, to close this off, uh, it says here that uh, the twenty nine point four million was opening day from thirty from three thousand eight hundred fifty five locations, uh, and the gross that includes eight point nine million in Thursday previews. So I guess they're they're saying Friday, not Thursday. Well, they said, yeah. So technically, it was because Thursday was the day that we came. It doesn't really matter. It made a lot of money and still good. Let's keep pushing. Next up. Next up, John Wick Chapter Four director Chad Stahelski revealed the inspiration, specifically a video game inspiration for a pretty big scene in the movie, and it's not what everyone thought it was. I'm not a gamer. And apparently the obvious reference was to Hotline Miami, but apparently Stahelski cited a totally different game when speaking to Slash Film, which was the game he referenced is a lesser known independent title known as Hong Kong Massacre. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, You know, as Roddy Cat and I talked about in last week's episode, there were definitely hints of a video game influence in that scene. Heavily. It just yeah. wasn't clear which video game. So I, he's come out and said it. Yeah, I, I I, actually didn't think about Hotline Miami at the time either, but I can definitely see it because I have played the game. And it, yeah, it, it definitely has that kind of energy. Uh Hong Kong Massacre is a game that I've heard about, but I don't think I've ever played. So that's that's a, got one on me on that on that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, play Hotline Miami is good. It's good. Uh, Anywho's, um, oh, I didn't see. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, <laughs> shout out to again to uh, Matt Wang ninety seven, who apparently showed up in YouTube chat talking about uh, no love for the Beyonder. Um, and also go Yankees which that was (laughs) where is it where is it where is it come on I mean (laughs) your mother brought you up wrong that's what it is hey boo it was pretty terrible it was bad it was awful I was terrible (laughs) we love Matt Wayne (laughs) um but yes um next story though are we up to the next story yeah 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 yeah. all righty um wait did you do the ballerina one yeah no no you don't this is true okay so uh uh john woo has a new movie coming out the silent night's Black, uh, Silent Night, actually. And apparently the uh, a, a producer of John Wick 4, Erica Lee, is, has spoken uh, about it and when we might get the first trailer. The movie actually wrapped filming almost a year ago, which suggests it had a long post-production phase. So uh, let's see. 
Um, apparently, the movie has no, you know, has mostly no dialogue. Um, Joel Kinnaman stars, and where is this trailer? There is one. By summer. Yeah. That's what the article states, that by summer, we will have a trailer for Silent Night. Right. I guess shout out to Rick Flag getting some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, going back to the the, the, the previous story, uh, John Wick spinoff Banner Arena gets a 2024 release window uh, date, apparently. Uh, says here that Joe Drake revealed that the studio's target release window for the upcoming spinoff is going to be either spring or summer of 2024. Um, yeah, and that production had been taking place since last uh, 20, since November 2022. So there is that. Do you want to take the next story? Sure, why not? Um, there's going to be a new Star Wars. Uh, I did it again. There's going to be a new <laughs> Star Trek show. <laughs> there's going to be a new Star Trek series that is going into production, and that's going to come out in 2024 at, um, at Paramount Plus, and it is called Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Is it going to be based off the game? Who's to say? Because I don't think it says here. But regardless. Uh, this series was announced to, uh, today as of this recording, apparently, and the series will follow the adventures of a new class of Starfleet cadets as they come of age in one of the most legendary places in the galaxy. Uh, it's, of course, being produced by CBS Studios and will begin production in 2024. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, will introduce us to a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and uh, optimism under the watchful and demanding eyes of the instructions. They will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blooming uh, friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself, because that's how it always happens in this universe. Uh, I am curious as of a time frame uh, and possibly who might be in this also given well actually i don't think that was a, that was an academy center never mind because i'm about to given uh um uh, a f- previous episode of star trek picard i was like wait when is this take, is this taking place before that or after that but i don't think that has anything to do with that no i don't think anybody that i would want to be involved uh in this is going to be involved sadly but hey, there's that's hey good good news for that. No word on whether it's uh being based off of the video game, the the old video game either. So, oh well. Next up, we are in the uh, um, anime corner. Mm, I was about to say, wait, is this Netflix uh, Ultraman yeah, series uh, anime? Sure, we'll go with it. It's it's in a is in that style. Yes, I mean and oh, it, is, right. and it is technically because of you know Ultraman, so Sentai stuff. All righty. So officially titled Ultraman Final, the final season of Netflix's Ultraman anime series has been announced for release on Netflix's streaming service around the world beginning on May 11th. Okay. 
Yeah, I need to catch up with this. I I watched the first couple episodes and it was pretty good, but I never did kind of go back to it. Uh, I think I saw a character get suplexed. I was like, okay, what what are we doing here? <laughs> but um, yeah. So I can't remember how many. Uh, I guess this is the final season, but I guess this is like I, I don't know how many previously was in this, but okay. Um, Bleach, the thousand year blood war shares new core to teaser. So, um, July 2023 will mark the return of Ichigo Kurosaki. And of course, fans are eager to see what Bleach has in store for the next core. I, I, I don't know when core started being a substitute for part or whatever the case may be, but I'm not sure if I feel, if I like it or not. Either way, there's a new promo has gone live teasing the comeback. Uh, it's attached to this article, and uh, the clip is entitled Synergy Special Edition, Edition, which highlights some of the top moments that has been in Bleach's Thousand Year Blood War so far. So if you've been keeping up with that, uh, I'm sure you will know what exactly this is in, this, uh, is in here. Next up. Right, so that Ultraman series has had two previous seasons, so this okay. upcoming final season is the third season. Gotcha. Okay, thanks. Next up, Sailor Moon anime is coming back for a new take on Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon's final battle, and fans have gotten a new look at what to expect from the Sailor Moon anime's next grand finale with the newest trailer for Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Cosmos, the movie. You can watch it at this link. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> it says here that uh, Cosmos will be releasing across two feature films, with the first hitting in Japan on June 9th and the second releasing in June 30th. Um, and doesn't seem any word on when it's coming to the U.S. Chainsaw Man, uh, Oni Thunder Gods Tale animated series complete at Annecy, or Nancy, Annecy. Annecy, I guess that's the principle. Uh, whatever. This year's Annecy um, International Animation Film Festival announced on Thursday that the aforementioned Chainsaw Man manga is competing in the TV films category. Uh, specifically, the first episode is screening in the competition. Uh, it says uh, Takahasa's Oni Thunderguard's Tale CGI animated series is also competing in the same category with the episode The Demon Moon Rises. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. This year's NSC will take place from June 11th to the 17th in the French town of the same name. Uh, and it is a film festival that has been around since the 60s. So, cool. Next up. Okay. So, uh, Crunchyroll launches free-to-watch series ahead of the spring season and uh according to crunchyroll it has added a total of seven series to its free to watch catalog uh these titles include episodes ovas and even oads you can check out the full list right here it's birdie wing season one dr stone seasons one and two plus reusui special episode kuma 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 bear season one mix season one ranking of kings season one the ancient magnus's bride season one plus ovas and oads and tonikawa over the moon for you season one so it's a mix of different types of shows 
And I can confirm this for myself, unfortunately, because I um, I went to Crunchyroll the other night to 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 catch up on some stuff and realized that I had let my Crunchyroll uh, account lapse. Oh no! <laughs> Which is actually probably a good thing because well, it's actually a good thing, except for the fact that um, as Agent Seven and I kind of had talked about one other time previously, I think they got rid of the yearly uh, subscription thing. So the only other way you can do it is if you buy a gift card uh, of a yearly amount to to get that. Right. So that well, let me phrase that. Here in the states, they they stopped doing the yearly. Apparently, you can if you're uh, elsewhere, you can still get the yearly um, price. Which, right. I bought a I, I bought a year's worth of a gift subscription. So I re- I remember that part. Right. So that kind of sucks because, and I don't. I feel like I've been there long enough to be grandfathered into the yearly thing, but I didn't. Uh, for some strange reason, they still had me on monthly, and it was hard to change. So that that sucks for myself, who couldn't take advantage of the the grandfathering. Anyway, we're getting into the comic book section. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. The Avengers and the X-Men's 60-year legacies come alive in new variant covers by Alex Ross. Which, by the way, um, if you haven't got had a chance to check out um, Alex Ross's uh, uh, variant cover for this week's uh, Invincible Iron Man uh, number four, that's a pretty good mixtape cover, I, I will say. Anywho, um... Said, you know, Marvel Comics is honored, uh, is proud to honor 60 awe inspiring years of the Avengers and the X Men this year. Uh, in August, starting August, Alex Ross will grace the celebration with his acclaimed artwork. So, oh, yes, and we also. Have you seen this? Have you seen these? What? The the variant covers? Images, yeah. I said the first one. I saw the first one, yes. Or part of the first one because I think I saw um, saw it on his Twitter or something, right? So I grabbed both. I, I grabbed images of both of them and made them wallpapers on my desktop. Mm-hmm. And I've been studying the images, and you know, I'm you know, I've always been a, a fan of uh, Alex Ross. I don't know if I really like the Avengers one, believe it or not, because I don't know if I'm just being thrown off by the very you know, like it's just not. You know, there, there's I'm having some trouble with some of the perspective, mm. but that's just me. Gotcha. Um, you know, when you have a chance to take a look at it in full, you'll see what I mean. No, I, you I, might I, see what I mean. Right. Well, I, yeah, I kind of get it. I'm watching. I'm looking at the if you're watching the video version, you can also see the Avengers cover. He's he's speaking about right here. Right. Um, like yeah, the perspective I, I, on some of the characters, like the depth of them, you know, like because obviously there's a foreground and a background that you're right. dealing with. I, you know, you know what it is. At the end of the day, you 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 come to appreciate the talent that George Perez had in creating like those gigantic group shots, and you could clearly see like who's bigger than the other people, you know, like and and, and how they're composed, you know, not just the art wise, but by the layout. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe, um, you know, uh, Alex Ross could have used a, a couple of pointers from George Perez, but unfortunately he has now passed. Um, the X-Men cover, I liked his thought and I liked his execution because uh, I read an article, I, you know, uh, where is this article from that you're citing? Uh, Marvel.com. 
Okay. Did, was there an interview in there with him? With uh, it? Not in this one, no. Right. I think there was a, 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 on another website that had an interview with Alex Ross, and he mentioned that uh, the X-Men the X-Men cover that he did is an homage to the X-Men number one cover by Jim Lee. Right. And it captures a moment, maybe a few seconds after the initial, the initial po you know, the initial image that we see in that uh, cover. And that's what he portrays. And I, I, I like that idea that mm-hmm. this is what these characters are doing like a few seconds later. So um, I thought that was a, a nice way to homage the, uh, original cover, which, you know, obviously sold so many issues. Right. I think, so I, I like the, the, the Avengers one. Um, but I, I kind of see what you're, you're talking about. And I guess I kind of wonder if it wasn't indeed a difference in like art style that would have probably made a little bit more of the difference than, than uh, with what you're talking about, you know, because with his like painter style, like, yeah, I can see that lending itself to kind of be perspective being a little bit off. Uh, in cases, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, it's just that you know, like I like like some of the depth of the characters is is just kind of missing to me, you know, because they're doing more action, more actiony things as opposed to like standing. That's one of the reasons why I love the mural that he did, the Marvel mural. Right. That the uh, you know like that was a, a desktop background of mine for a long time. But, you know, with these act, you know, with, with the characters kind of in, in action and action poses, it it po- it makes I, I wanted to say it poses a different challenge for an artist. So right. but anyway, moving on, Spider-Verse covers turn Captain America, Wolverine and more into Spider-Man variants. This article is brought to us by our very own at TimDog98 over at comicbook.com. So um, these are. Uh, Spider-Verse variant covers that are coming out. One of these covers will land, will land on Amazing Spider-Man number 26. Build as the most shocking issue of Amazing Spider-Man in 50 years, Oi Zeb Wells. Uh, so it will have a total of 25 versions of a Spider-Hero represented during the Spider-Verse cover program. Okay. Jeez. That's a lot. Not surprising, but that's a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to go back to that last article for a second. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later because, uh, <laughs> you know, you kind of find yourself looking through the scene who's represented and who's not. But like I said, that's, mm. a, that's, that's a conversation for another time. Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Schiti, uh conceive a grand des- new design for the Marvel Universe in G.O.D.S. Gods. Almost made me want to uh, cite some Wu-Tang, but you know what? We're not doing that here. Um, no, I was to say, or or uh, Run DMC. Sure, sure. Uh, so apparently, this was first teased last year at San Diego Comic Con, but the time has come to finally reveal what Jonathan Hickman and artist Valerio Skeedy have planned for Marvel Comics. This fall, the forces at uh, the heart of the Marvel Universe will stunningly reimagined will be stunningly reimagined. And evolved in a new series from two of industry's most brilliant minds. You can tell this is from Marvel.com. Um, we, we, we've, we've already talked about what Hickman has done with the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and currently the X-Men. Or, I guess, recently the X-Men, not currently. But um, Gods will mark his most ambitious undertaking to date. 
I don't know if that's, I don't know, those last couple, <laughs> I don't know, those last has come to kind of, kind of up there. But anyway, um, drastically reshaping Marvel's pantheon of cosmic beings and the entities behind the very fabric of reality. And I'm kind of wondering that's, if that's not playing into why the Beyonder is suddenly back in, in, the, in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the place. But um, apparently we will meet Wynn, who's a mysterious player in a war that exists outside of the order that we know and a vital member of the Eon's old hierarchy that includes the omnipotent rulers of the universe, such as Eternity, Infinity, and the Living Tribunal. Uh, he meets up with uh, Dr. Strange and hints at something bigger, and there is a trailer uh, that is uh, attached to this that you can check out for yourself that uh, pretty much goes to the same thing that I just said. Did you watch the trailer? Or you just read about uh, it? I uh, just tra- I just read about it. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, it's not a bad trailer. I don't know. It's, it's still kind of weird to see trailers for books, but, you know. Exactly. Okay. That's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, but it, it's, it's not a bad. It's kind of that, um, you know, that motion comic type situation. So it is what it is. Next up. Next up, Blade is back. So announced exclusively by Polygon, Blade launches... A new book this summer, the summer of 2023, from writer and former guest of the show, Brian Hill, and artist Elena Casagrande. The new ongoing series will find Eric Brooks, a.k.a. Blade, struggling to deal with the supernatural underworld after he accidentally awakens an ancient evil, Mumra, the ever-living... I'm kidding. <laughs> nice. Um, the <laughs> Oh boy! So yeah, that, that that's cool that they're bringing Blade back in a new book. Um, yeah, indeed. I and I guess I feel like it's kind of also expected one because I know one they're working on that new movie with a right. uh, with Mahershala Ali, and two, you know, Bloodline is out, and he's been in uh, Moonlight lately, so. You kind of wondered if they were, were uh, kind of setting up him to kind of have his, and he's been with the adventures, so you kind of wonder if they kind of been setting him back up to to come back out with a book or something. So, right, 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 right. Um, how about the sequel to Hong Kong Massacre, Macau Mayhem? Mayhem, did you play that? Is that actually? I don't remember. I have. I didn't play Hong Kong Massacre, Matt, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about it to say anything about it. And also, I'm thinking, like, wait, are you messing with me? Is that actual, or is, <laughs> is that actual? Is that an actual thing? That's never, I was about to say that's 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 always a possibility, right? I mean, that sounds like a, a thing that could be the case. So I don't know if he's actually messing with me or, not, or if that's actually real, because it could go other ways. Could get, go either way. Anyway, DC finally settles which Batgirl is the best fighter. This is a spoiler for. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series Legend of Bats number two, which possibly means it's not necessarily canon. Um, and it also says here that DC has confirmed in the story that it, outsized, uh, that it exists outside the main universe. So there you go. Um, you know what? It's a spoiler, but I feel like you, if you know your Batgirls, you probably can figure out who it is. Because it's probably the one you're thinking about. Maybe. Unless you like the other one. Next up. Last but not least, we have a, a little video game news. Multiverses, the multiplayer platform fighting game from Warner Brothers and Player First Games, is being pulled from digital stores on April 4th 
and will go offline, meaning it will become largely unplayable in June. The developer announced Monday that it's pausing updates and taking the game offline for a relaunch, a relaunch of multiverses, which is targeted for early 2024. So, you know, they're, they're characterizing it as a temporary closure of multiverses. Okay. Yeah. I actually had kind of sort of forgotten about that game because it kind of came, had a big buzz, and I guess people are still playing it, but I guess, and I think they did say it was supposed to be like a beta or something like that, but I didn't think they would, like, shut it down and bring it back later. It was just weird. But Okay. Yeah, that's the thing, I suppose. Um, and that, folks, is the end of the news and therein leads us into our lads uh, ad read our last ad read of the night is for Amazon help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon visit cspn.us then click the keep our podcasts free link at the top of the page from there scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop purchase items from Amazon as you normally would whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel or Marvel Legends for every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, I was looking at that um, that God's article at while you were doing a thing, and it said something about... Um, Hickman wrote. Hickman said he wrote two series Bibles, the one of which being House of X and the other one being for gods. And I kind of want to see one of them, both of them, because we know how Hoxpox came out. Came out, but I want to see right. his his thought patterns uh, with, the, right. with the, how we how we went about it. So, but I guess we may or may not ever will. Regardless, that brings us to the end of this here show, folks. Um, uh, it's been a good run. What can I say? It's been a good run. I'm sorry. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Um, but we will definitely be back next week. Uh, same shenanigans. One less show <laughs> to to talk about. Yes. Uh, no more. Yeah, Bad Batch has ended its uh, second season. Yep. Uh, but we still have The Mandalorian and uh, the rest of uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3, so and unless something else happens to come up, which I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen that we're not thinking about at this point, um, stay tuned for that. Neither one of us still didn't go see that Dungeons & Dragons movie, so I, we would have said by now if we had. Right, we'll this, see. I was about to say, we'll see clip. if uh, you know we get around to it this weekend. Yeah. I don't have it in my, I don't have it on my schedule, but you never know. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. As the Hulk said this week, I could eat. <laughs> Which is a weird thing. But anyway, um, that being said, I am Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com. Excuse me, PopCultureNet.com. And not... not um, I was right the first time. Doesn't matter. Uh, and all the umbrella sites they're in. And last but not least, never, never least, uh, the Osiris of this ish. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. 
and theclicknation.com. But of course, you can definitely find him over on comicbook.com as uh, Timothy Adams writing his face off. Because I'm pretty sure no one said it, but somebody would be like, well, you said go over there, but I don't see no TimDog98 on, on, on comicbook.com. Ah! <laughs> so just to keep, keep that out of the way. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the five-star positive reviews. Uh, you can also find this recording every Thursday night, mostly every Thursday night, 9.30-ish uh, Eastern, uh, on the uh, YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so you know when we are online. Indeed. Um, uh, oh, also shout out to again one Matt Wayne ninety seven who, who was still in the audience and says uh, Agent Seventy is definitely a changeling. <laughs> oh, am I going to revert to Goop in a second? Oh gosh, no. Maybe you're one of those enhan- uh, new enhanced ones. Who knows? Right. Uh, but also says Radicat is definitely going to watch the D and D movie via his crystal ball. He is a level five magic user. You're giving me a lot more credit than I deserve on that one. I mean, maybe level three, but five, I'm still working up, but I, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And also you're possibly right. The crystal ball is going to be some three magic letters. Um, and with that folks, <laughs> uh, this has been the comic chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Almost over, y'all. Yeah, I really stand. Uh, uh, uh. Lights out.